I'm one of a rare breed. I'm someone who walks around in Los Angeles. And while walking around, I noticed something odd. Now, Hollywood has a weird theme of having the need to remind you you're in Hollywood anywhere you go. No matter what the theme of the place is, they have to have some sort of picture of something from a movie or a famous person just to remind you of where you are. Even if it's at the gym and there's a picture of the Godfather on the wall. Al Pacino has never done any, you know, curls or bench presses, but there's a picture of the Godfather at the gym. It's odd. But things like that are everywhere. And that weird imagery and iconography, I found it in another place. It was actually at a self-storage unit. They have drawn on the walls very well done, very identifiably, a large picture of a Native American, the seal of the President of the United States, the Gone with the Wind picture of Clark Gable and Vivian Lee, and Charlie Chaplin, and among all these well-known images is the picture that is the central picture of the Sistine Chapel. God creating Adam. That's how obligatory and well-known the Sistine Chapel is. Now, the creation of the Sistine Chapel is one that it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating because it doesn't make sense. Of all the artists of the time, why was Michelangelo chosen to do the central artwork for the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel? Let's find out. I'm Sam Logan and you're listening to the podcast, The Story Is the podcast where we talk about the past, the present, and the personal. What brought me to Michelangelo was the Sistine Chapel. His creative work is more than just the famous ceiling. However, the central image of the Sistine Chapel fits perfectly with the theme of the season. Beginnings, origins controversy. As I researched the Sistine Chapel, I went from staring up at a ceiling to looking at the man himself. Michelangelo was not only a great artist, but also a poet. He wrote many sonnets and poems in his later years, many of which were addressed to his friends and his lovers. Here's one poem Michelangelo wrote to Tommaso de Calvieri. With your fair eyes, a charming light I see, for which mine own blind eyes would peer in vain. Stayed by your feet, the burden I sustain, which my lame feet find all too strong for me. Wingless upon your pinions forth I fly. 
Heavenward your spirit stirreth me to strain. E'en as you will, I blush and blanch again. Freeze in the sun, burn neath a frosty sky. Your will includes and is the Lord of mine. Life to my thoughts within your heart is given. My words begin to breathe upon your breath. Like to the moon am I that cannot shine. Alone for lo, our eyes see not in heaven, save what the living sun illumineth. Now, there's no doubt that Michelangelo was gay. He also lived in a prominently gay place, Florence, Italy. What is unknown is if Michelangelo ever felt free to be gay. He is described as being equally filled with internal passions and Christian guilt. Michelangelo described this irresolvable dilemma as that keeps me split in two halves. In an interview in 2018 with the Met, Emeritus Professor of Art History, Theater, and Renaissance Studies at Queens College, and the Graduate Center of the City University of New York, James Saslow, discussed the exhibition, Michelangelo, Divine Draftsman and Designer. Drawings are an index, he says, of the creative process, a thought committed to paper. We love looking inside the minds of creative people, because presumably there is more going on in there emotionally and aesthetically than in the average person. One of the many fascinating parts of this exhibition and its catalog is getting inside Michelangelo's mind. Poetry is very much the same, he says. A poem can explicitly state a feeling in a way visual arts cannot. And therefore, poems are even more of a mirror into the mind than a drawing or painting. That's the old classical line. Paintings are mute poetry. Michelangelo's interested in both drawings, he says, and writing, text, and image, much more than any other artist in his time, and more than any artist until William Blake. This has something to do with an intense need to express himself and get his ideas and feelings on paper and out into the world. He's the most personal artist. He says in several poems that when you make a work of art, you put yourself into it. It becomes you. In my opinion, much like the male nudity in the Sistine Chapel ceiling, the Catholic Church decided to paint over Michelangelo's homosexuality rather than confront or condemn his personal life. Discovering this here causes me to pause and to see Michelangelo as more of a tortured artist and less of the Charlton Heston character telling the Pope that he will be done when he is finished, as the movie portrays Michelangelo. Whether it's the result of society's pressure, the law, or one's own inner conflict, to not be allowed to be truly yourself in life is a tragedy. The opposite is also true. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else 
is the greatest accomplishment. Michelangelo might have only felt free to fully be himself in his art. So let's take a look at the Sistine Chapel and how Michelangelo got to be its painter. One of the last things Pope Nicholas V said on his deathbed was to make sure that the Sistine Chapel was a place so majestic and inspiring that belief would grow and strengthen the religious tradition. He wanted to bring back the, evoke the tradition and strength of old Rome. Now, at this time, at the beginnings and construction of the Sistine Chapel, we find Michelangelo building a large stone tomb for the next pope, Julius II, who was already thinking about his own legacy and how to be remembered. He wanted a large tomb dedicated to himself. Now, Michelangelo learned over hearing the Pope talk that they were not going to spend any more money on stones for Julius's tomb. Now, this decision might have occurred because the Pope was rebuilding St. Peter's Basilica. Now, this stoppage in paying for the stone meant Michelangelo would be left paying the bill himself. Overhearing this news caused Michelangelo to leave Rome. He promised never to return. He was petitioned via messenger to return. After months, Michelangelo received assurances from the Pope that Michelangelo would not be harmed. Both sides reconciled and agreed that Michelangelo would build a bronze statue of Julius II, a statue the people of Bologna destroyed and melted down into a cannon later. After being asked more than once, Michelangelo agrees to do the Sistine Chapel. According to Condivi's biography of Michelangelo, the artist was asked to do the Sistine Chapel as a dare or a task that was setting him up to fail. Now, the proposition was actually made in the Pope's effort to restore the Sistine Chapel and Rome to its previous beauty. The Sistine Chapel was the principal place of worship for the Pope and his senior officials. It was also the House of Cardinals during the Conclave, which is otherwise known as the Election of Popes. The ceiling is over 40 meters long and covers an area of 500 square meters. That is Michelangelo's canvas. The building's dimensions are the same as Solomon's temple, as stated in the Bible. Now, Solomon was married to several women at the same time, and yet was allowed to build a temple for God. Michelangelo was not the ideal Roman Catholic, and yet he is painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. For those who feel it, nothing makes the soul so religious and pure as the endeavor to create something perfect. For God is perfection, and whoever strives after it is striving after perfection, and whoever strives after it is striving after something divine. True painting is only the image of the perfection of God 
a shadow of the pencil with which he paints, a melody, a striving after harmony. That is what Michelangelo said about the religious act of painting. Before Michelangelo, on the Sistine Chapel ceiling, there were artists who did the frescoes of the life of Christ and the life of Moses, demonstrating the connection of the time of God's law and God's grace. For the next section, the Pope wanted 12 depictions of the apostles. That was too simple for Michelangelo's taste. Michelangelo refers to the Pope's plan as a poor thing. Michelangelo's theme, God's creation of the world to the time of Noah. Michelangelo sees the importance and need to show the beginning. More than the apostles, this place needs the hand of the Creator. He takes the section that was originally 12 divisions and makes 175 pictorial units. The inspiration, Michelangelo's unfinished, undersupplied tomb for Julius II. He used a similar design layout for the chapel ceiling. He painted the beginning of sin on earth, with both Adam and Eve reaching for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They are both shown choosing their forbidden fruit. This is in contrast to the popular image of Eve being the primary eater of the fruit and giving it to Adam. Beginnings are important, because that's where blame is placed. When you come across a problem, you naturally ask, how did this happen? Michelangelo decides to blame both sides of the couple in the Garden of Eden. In Michelangelo's process for the Sistine Chapel, he goes about it in an interesting way. He locked out the other painters from the Sistine Chapel. In fact, he claims to have done everything himself, including grinding the paint for the day. Experts and authors say there is no way he could have done it all himself. In fact, Michelangelo had one of his few trusted friends, who was also an artist, find a team of fresco painters. Contrary to popular myth, Michelangelo did not paint the Sistine Chapel lying down. There was room for him to stand on the scaffolding and then paint the frescoes. There were sections of the chapel that were difficult and caused him some physical discomfort. The work itself is an original take on the biblical events. Michelangelo broke from tradition and showed creator God in a human form with superhuman power and energy. Michelangelo has to make a beginning all his own. His process had him painting the scenes in reverse order, meaning he would finish painting with the creation, the separation of light and darkness, creator God by himself. The author Andrew Graham Dixon speculates this was done on purpose because Michelangelo would have a better grasp of the painting technique the further along the project went. Michelangelo would be able to do his best work by the time he starts painting the beginning, the first chapter of Genesis, the creation of the world. Now, Andrew Graham Dixon also writes that 
Michelangelo was the first artist to show a full image of Creator God. Michelangelo on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel makes one of the most well-known images in art. So well-known it makes it to a storage unit in Hollywood. God creating Adam. God's pointer finger is extended. Adam also has a hand extended, but he appears passive compared to the other predominant figure in the scene. It's been observed this flying robed deity is not looking at Adam, but looking at the pointer finger that is bringing Adam to life. This is an act of creation that takes great concentration. It is also as if God is painting Adam into existence. Michelangelo painted God as an artist. May I remind you, the ceiling is, is over 40 meters long and covers an area of 500 square meters. He has so much space, and Michelangelo puts the creation of Adam in a larger central location. I think Michelangelo chooses to highlight the act of creation because artists are in the business of beginnings. The step from nothing to something is agony. It's hard work. Skeptics would say the story of creation is ridiculous. First, there's nothing, and then something. It's just ridiculous. For artists like Michelangelo, the act of creation is a calling. The blank canvas, and then the creation of life itself. A frustrating large rock, and then the statue of David. Michelangelo finished up his work on the ceiling on the Sistine Chapel towards the end of 1512. The Pope was pleased with the work, but he would soon need Michelangelo's previous project more, his tomb. Pope Julius died in early 1513, a few days after the presiding over the unveiling of the Sistine Chapel. Feeling weak, he went to bed early, suffering from a high fever, and eventually died at the age of 69. The Sistine Chapel is considered one of the greatest masterpieces of Western art. The fame of Michelangelo's paintings has drawn multitudes of visitors to the chapel ever since they were revealed 500 years ago. Other artists painted a series of frescoes in the Sistine Chapel years before Michelangelo. Yet, those names are not who are associated with the work. This happens because of Michelangelo's greatest work. In the Sistine Chapel, the painting of the Last Judgment is on the wall facing the congregation. Michelangelo completed this painting years after his work in the, on the Sistine Chapel. During the course of any service, if one would take place, the Last Judgment is in full view. The painting can be broken into categories, though it's one large picture. On the lower left of the composition, the dead emerge from their graves, shedding their burial shrouds. Some rise up effortlessly, drawn by an invisible force, while others are assisted by angels. Below that is a risen body is caught in violent tug-of-war between one end of an angel and the other a demon. On the other side, we have demons dragged, damned to hell, 
while angels beat down those who struggle to escape their fate. Another soul, exemplifying the sin of pride, dares to fight back arrogantly, contesting divine judgment. The artist, Michelangelo, didn't receive judgment from the Roman Catholic Church, however. Instead, he was too talented to condemn, too spiritual of a mind to deny, too well-crafted of a persona to shun. He was able to do this because of his greatest work, and I do not mean the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo's greatest creation, himself. He painted this self-portrait in the mind of his contemporaries, and in history, by controlling his biography, writing the story of his training, his denial of any influences, his reputation, the dismissal of assistance, so that he can appear to be the self-made genius. Michelangelo said, If people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful at all. Michelangelo was the loner genius to the end, by only wearing the same clothes all the time. His clothes had to be cut off him when he died because the cloth was old, dirty, and sticking to his skin. He did with his life what he did with his biography. He took control of it. He told his story with his life. The story is nothing and then Michelangelo. William Blake wrote in Auguries of Innocence, What is now proved was once only imagined. There was no guarantee Michelangelo would grow up to be a great artist. Based on his beginnings, he would have been very lucky to ever be mentioned in a history book. Michelangelo was very ambitious and kept trying, despite receiving zero encouragement from his family. Michelangelo was also conscious of legacy. He cared about how he would be remembered. He was his own chief branding officer. I have to think Michelangelo had a picture in his mind's eye. In his imagination, he saw what type of person he wanted to be and acted accordingly. Michelangelo left his signature on his work and his life. Michelangelo's first major work was the Pieta, a sculpture of the Virgin Mary holding the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. Michelangelo completed the Pieta when he was 24 years old. This work is considered a masterpiece of Renaissance sculpture. When visiting his Pieta one day, Michelangelo overheard people attribute the sculpture to Christopher Salari, a well-known sculptor of the time. Michelangelo went to the Pieta and carved his name on Mary's sash. It is the only piece of his with Michelangelo's signature. Now, we aren't all artists. But when your day is over, would you chisel your name on it? Do you want people to know, I did that? Our biography is how we live. How we present ourselves. The choices we make. How would we like to be remembered? What does the art of your life look like? Do you like it? You can change it.
you can brand shift. You can add another chapter to your biography. You can create a kinder, smarter, happier, more peaceful you. The paint is your choices. Your time is your canvas. What story are you telling with your life? Today is a blank canvas, a new beginning. Start painting. J.M. Barry said, The moment you doubt whether you can fly, you cease forever to be able to do it. Michelangelo said, The promises of this world are, for the most part, vain phantoms, and to confide in oneself and to become something of worth and value is the best and safest course. My sources for this episode are walksofitaly.com, out.com, michelangelo.org, smarthistory.org, the book Michelangelo and the Sistine Chapel by Andrew Graham Dixon, grandvoyageitaly.com, metmuseum.org, Michelangelo and the Pope's Ceiling by Ross King, Michelangelo Bunarati, A Life from Beginning to End by Hourly History. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you liked it, you can let me know at thestoryispodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook or on Instagram. Or you could review it on whatever a player that you listen to podcasts on. It makes it easier for people to find the podcast. So, until next time, I'm Sam Logan. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Thanks for listening.